The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. <laughs> I got a knock-knock joke for you. What is it? Knock-knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat my poo. <laughs> <laughs> you eat your poo. no, I eat my poo. <laughs> you fucker. You fucker, you got me. I got you hard. God damn it, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks. Man, I'm Jackie Zabrowski, and I just got got. You got got. Man, that's hard. I haven't got <laughs> I, I ain't got got in a long time. Oh, I I'm pretty proud of that one. That was really good. And my buddy Mark gave that one to me. So I, thank I, you, Mark. I, I, and he I, got me too. I bet he fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> I <I'm>, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, welcome Fuckers. back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're still thinking I'm about still thinking I eat my poo. Yeah. Well, because I couldn't exactly remember what the phrase was. I eat my p- I eat mop. Yeah. Fucker. <laughs> um, thank you. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last week you went down to Florida. Yeah, I had to go down to Florida. I have I have talked about this woman. I, I'm sure I've talked about her quite a few times on here. Um, but my mother's mother passed away. My evil demon of a grandmother is finally dead. Mm-hmm. Henry talked about it on the last podcast as well. Oh, did he really? Mm-hmm. He said that he was in charge of, uh, what was it, guarding the corpse while it was burning. <laughs> oh, yeah, you went and made sure she stayed down. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he said he stuffed garlic cloves in her mouth. It was for the best, yeah. <laughs> My dad kept making jokes about how she was going to come back and how we have to cut off her head. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of jokes about it. None yeah. in front of my mother. Of course not. But there were jokes to be had. Kept trying to say we were going to cut her ashes with glitter, which would be <laughs> awesome. That would be the ultimate fuck you, because it would probably be the most fun any part of her body had ever had in her life. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about it on here today uh, because it was it's such a such a mind fuck. Yeah. To have someone in your life that your entire life you dislike intensely. Yeah. Someone that is that is not deserving of your love, that, that has always been a, a a horrible person. But the problem is is that it was due to mental illness. Yeah. It she was insanely mentally ill. She didn't think that anything that she did was wrong, even though she had no control over her actions, and she was she was imprisoned inside of her brain. Her entire life. And she was never able to get any help of it. And especially it gets to a point where it's like, well, then she must be right through all these things because everyone else is wrong. It's always everyone else's problem, even though she was just such a horrendous woman. Narcissist. Yes. Textbook narcissist. Yes, a thousand percent. And also bipolar. And she just had, she just really had, she had no control over the things she said and things she did which is a hard thing to really understand especially when you're young or especially when you know my mother has dealt with it for 66 years uh Mm -hmm. that she's been living under the cage of this woman and basically we went home and had this insane healing process of our family that we like talked about all the things we want to talk about because immediately i mean marcus was there when i first heard Mm -hmm. and it's like weird because I started to cry and I was like why am I fucking crying 
I'm not fucking like I don't my entire life I wanted her dead and I had the same conversation with my mother where it's like I hate that I'm upset about this because I wanted her dead ever since I could remember her as a human being yeah and it's such a complicated thing when someone that you know or someone in your family that that you just you dislike so much that when they actually do pass it's like the feelings that you have to deal with where it's like we were raised you know we were raised in a Unitarian church, but with mostly Catholic principles because that's how my mother was raised. So the guilt immediately comes sweeping in. And it, it's a hard – the only way that we could deal with it was to talk about it and talk through it. And, like, my mom just sat there crying because she's like, I feel so awful because when I watched her go – like, she was in the hospital room with her. She's like, when I watched her pass, the feeling of relief – She's like, I felt like I could feel it hugging me. Yeah. She was like, it was palpable. It, it was almost like that. It, it, it was like like a faithful feeling. It was like a, like a religious moment of freedom. Yeah. And then she couldn't handle it, so she kind of had like a little bit of a breakdown because because her mother just died, and that that's the feeling that she had, you know. And I mean, it's the same feeling as if. A loved one that is sick for a really, really long time. Well, you know? she was sick. She was sick, but... I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, there is a different... There are all different kinds of releases. Right. You know, whether it's a release from the pain of stomach cancer or the pain of extreme mental illness, untreated mental illness that has got... How old was she in her 80s? Yes. Yeah. She was 88. Yeah. Just extreme, just so many years of pain, knowing that not only is your family out of pain, but she's out of pain as well. But that was the thing that I realized that like through our talking is that I was mourning the loss of her life from the day she was born. Mm -hmm. She never had... A proper life because she her brain wouldn't allow her to I mean she grew up in terrible conditions you know it's the depression and, and all of that and you know family and like coming from Italy and all those things you know it's like all yada 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 but there are also a lot of people that have had grown past that and she just never experienced life at all she's never been she had never been swimming she had never been on a road trip she'd never worn pants she'd never driven a car she had never written a check she you know it was like there was all these things that like she was kept in such a cell that she wouldn't like no one also would allow her to do it because she was so fucking crazy yeah so people just did it for her and what she eventually did was she tore out not my immediate family but her children like all my aunts and uncles rip them all apart and so my mom does not speak to any of them because that's what a negative entity in a life especially a matriarch in a family that it is so easy to let that ruin your relationships and watching my mother grieve for also like the lost sibling relationships that she didn't have and things like that that like when i was like but the negative energy is now gone the negative energy that like lived over our entire family is gone. Well, that might be part of the reason why you guys felt grief or why you felt uh, or what just why you cried where there was some sort of emotion is that, you know, you got a concentrate of memories. 
Like there was right. a, a lifetime of memories that were just completely concentrated within the span of a few moments, whether you were aware of them or not. But all of those horrible feelings throughout the years, like you think that's over, but you also remember those things. You always re- you remember why you're glad that it's over. And that emotion is extremely fucking powerful. It really is. And also, like every family has this, that there are a hotbed of memories in every family that no one ever talks about. Yeah. And when something like this happens and it like the like fault lines start to shake and it's like the magma came up from underneath our family and we finally talked about all the things we had never talked about before because it's easy to not talk about things. It's easy to just keep going, especially when you're living under a cloud of of a person still being alive that created all of this. You know, I feel like without that release that you you're unable to really talk about it because you're almost scared. And being able to do that hurt a lot. And it hurt a lot for my mom, but I watched my mother go from being upset about being relieved and and guilty about everything she went from that to acceptance to calling her siblings in three days and it was an insane thing to see you were really worried about her i know yeah i was very worried about her because she's i mean she is she is a fireball of a human being you know so when when someone like that is is shattered or is like tried to be shattered it's a hard thing to watch but when you watch a strong person go through something like that and resound back, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I just think that like sometimes these bad things in your happen, like your family happens, and like you think I'm never going to talk to that person ever again, or I I never want to think about these things ever again, and that there will be a time, hopefully, that that you will be able to talk about these things, that you will be able, maybe not mend it, it'll never be the same, no, but at least be able to deal with it. So that you're not keeping it like a rock of thorns inside of your chest. Because whether you know that it's there or not, it's there. And it's going to take time. But I, I just, we went through such an insane few days that it was just so powerful. That like the resilience of a family can be relied on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I, mean, I, I know that I'm happy for you. I'm happy for Henry. I'm, I'm happy for your, almost happy for your mom, most of all. Because uh, she's such a wonderful. She's free. She's such a wonderful woman. And have you know? I mean, it's only been, what, a week and a half or yeah. something like that. Have you noticed any sort of change in her even since you've come back to New York? I mean, she's still struggling. She's still, you know, dealing with everything. And I think after we left, it was like her trying to put piece it all together. Yeah. But she seems a lot more calm. I mean, and you seem, uh, yeah, because I remember, yeah, the night, uh, what was it, last Tuesday? It was Wednesday. Yeah, last Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. Uh, I was a little bit worried, but not too much. Because I, I could see, you know, you, that you had enough strength. Like, you were, you seemed more shaken than anything. Like, that's what I would say. That's, that's actually how I would describe your Because your I couldn't believe that a witch could die. <laughs> I think now I can make jokes about it, but it's like when you have someone that palpable in your life, I just remember my mom always was like, she's never going to die. Yeah. 
She's going to be here on this earth to make my life a living fucking hell. And she's going to watch me die just so that she can have that satisfaction. It's like, ugh. It's just, I mean, the world is just a little bit more free of negativity (laughs) now. I think we just got to soak that up. And when it, you know, it really does make me realize, like, gotta live it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you have bad days and yeah, bad things happen. But man, being a negative force is not only, not only does it make your life shit, but it makes everybody else's life shit. Mm-hmm. And if if it is something that is inside your brain, if something that is chemical, do something about it. She was not able to because of the, the generation. She they, It was not a thing that she was able to do. She was kept in a fucking, in a, in a lockbox in a house, wasn't allowed to talk to anybody and just prayed to upon her children and we don't have we don't have to do that anymore no it's over that time is over and done with you can have a little bit of sympathy for for just not knowing and not having the and struggling of course yeah yes. of course you can have a little bit of sympathy for her but i think anybody in this day and age who still acts like that and still has that sort of attitude towards life no no sympathy it's it's something that people have to have you know it's it's their responsibility to take care of that shit um but you know my grandma you know both of our grandmothers the exact same thing bipolar uh lifelong mental illness my grandmother was not you know she was i would say uh unpredictable there you go not as much of a gargoyle (laughs) not as much as a gargoyle no 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 still a sweet woman but i would definitely say the the unpredictable is putting it lightly yeah um but she didn't get uh help and she didn't get diagnosed or anything like that not officially uh and anything because i think in the old days they called it when someone would have a break they would call it Oh, she had an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of grandma. She had hysteria. They had all that shit. Yeah, she had she had one of her episodes, so she's going to go away for a little bit. But when she comes back, she's going to be all better until she has another one of her episodes. There was no maintenance. There was no care. There was, uh, you know, therapy was something that people in New York City did. You know, it was a halfalutin. It was looked down upon. And if there was medication, then it was shit like Thorazine. Mm -hmm. You know, it was... Dope them up. Yeah, dope them up. Stupefy. Let's dope them up and let's put them away. Right. uh, So we don't have to deal with them anymore. Uh, And... These days, though, that that time is over, or at the very least, it's nearing its end. I wouldn't say that time's over at all because there's still a shitload of stigma attached to mental illness, but not anywhere as much as there used to be. Uh, So I'm just, honestly, I'm just fucking thankful that we can kind of compare those days to these days and look at how much better things are now and, and how there much is a difference is. yes yeah because your mother has gotten help yes she has and you know it's like and that's saying something towards getting help and having a therapist where you know we all have a lot of issues but my mom has been in therapy for the past year and a half she's like and if this had happened a year and a half ago she's like i would be beside myself yeah i would not be able she's like i i don't know what i would have done i would have had a complete mental breakdown she's like but being in therapy made me realize that i can't hold on the guilt of my mother's life forever that it it helped her work through it and it had a lot to do with like on my grandfather's deathbed she promised she would never 
leave my grandmother's side. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like she didn't live in the house the way in the old days you expected like your parents live in the house and things like that. And it was like all this guilt and all this guilt that she was able to talk through over the past year and a half that yes, she was upset about, you know, the relief, things like that. But she, I, I think that if it had happened a year and a half ago without having therapy, she might have killed herself. Jesus. I mean, it it is... Therapy works. Yeah. Therapy helps. If you have the right therapist yes. and the right uh, the right therapist for you, then yes, it works, it helps. Yes. I don't know what the fuck I would have done over the last three years if I wouldn't have had it. It's just... It, it's insane. Just talk it out. Just, you know, if you need help, just f- figure out how to get help. Yeah. I mean, therapy is not just about dealing with things that happened in the past. It's about also about dealing with things that happen in your life. The day-to-day. Every day. Day-to-day stuff. I think without therapy, I would have had, by now, in the last three and a half years, I would have had a breakdown on par with you know the one that I had quite a long time ago. Uh, a paralyzing breakdown. Complete and total. But with it, I was able to get through those times in which the, uh, I guess, the possibility for a breakdown was strongest. I was able to get through that because I had the tools, you know, to work through it. Uh, And really, like, what, you know, what I would say, like, you know, I don't see therapy as a tool. I see therapy as the workshop where I make my tools. And I take the tools that I make in therapy, I put those in my big fucking toolbox. And I got pretty big fucking toolbox Oh, yeah. It's a big toolbox. Big toolbox. (laughs) Every tool in that toolbox. (laughs) Not every tool, because you're still making the tools. Still making the tools, exactly. So those are, you know, that's what your mother's doing. You know, you take those tools, you take your toolbox out into the world, and then when something happens that whereas before would have fucking put you down on the ground, take out that tool and you use it. And that's, I think that's something that anybody out there that, because I would say that I considered myself, you know, like your mother, I would consider myself, uh, or used to, I don't anymore, consider myself fragile. And I think a lot of other people consider me fragile as well. I think my family considered me fragile. Uh, and they don't, I've noticed in the last few years since I've gotten into therapy, they don't treat me like that anymore because they see the changes in me. They hear the changes in me. Fuck, they listen to this show. Yeah. You know, at least my brothers do. Uh, they see the changes in me and they hear the changes in me. Uh, they've got concrete evidence so they don't treat me as such anymore and I don't think of myself as such anymore. And without therapy, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it, I wouldn't have the strength that I have today. Uh, so take that as an example. If you're looking, if you consider yourself fragile at all, listeners out there, if you consider yourself to be a fragile person or if you feel you might be a fragile person, uh, therapy gives you the strength to deal with the day. And make sure that you find a therapist uh, that works on you instead of looking at all the problems around in your life. Yeah. Instead of looking at something else to blame, somewhere else to blame. Because I think it would have been very easy for your mother's therapist to blame the mo- to blame oh, her mother to to say like you know what you just need to get her out of her your life you need to just cut her out no sometimes you can't do that most of the time you can't do when that when you can't do that then you have to learn how to deal with it yeah then you make the tools of how to deal with it to keep to be able to keep yourself your heart at a distance yeah you know and to keep your emotions and your feelings at a distance yeah and if I learned anything from the first episode of Fargo that I watched last night, interesting. It is wonderful if you keep, if you push down your feelings on someone that treats you badly, 
you might end up hitting them in the head with a ball-peen hammer four or five times and killing them. Interesting. I did hit my grandmother once. <laughs> Never with the hammer. <laughs> you just, did it, was it a slap or a punch? I, uh, I pushed her up against a wall. Wow. Yeah. How did, yeah. How did that shake out? Oh, and then my mom turned around and just fucking bashed me in the face. Yeah. Only time I've ever been hit by yeah. my mother my entire life. Wow. Well, she was like saying these awful things to my mom. Awful things. She's like saying them, saying them, saying them. And I just finally just took her and just like bashed her up against the wall. And she like fell on the floor. And then my mom just bop yeah. right in the face. I was like, no, what? <laughs> She's like, that is your grandmother, and you respect her. And it's like, are you fucking shit? <laughs> but I'm just... <laughs> Man, my mom can throw a punch. I still think about it. Like, goes through my fucking face. Oof, man. But that's over. It's done. It's done. Yeah. Man, so- just, you know, there's... And you just got to get the negativity out of your life if you're able to. If because I to. feel like my chest doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. And it's weird to think that like something that really didn't affect me in the day-to-day life was still there. Oh, that's some subconscious shit right there. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, still I there. mean, it trickles down. She makes your mother feel like shit. Your mom calls you up freaking out. You ha- you know, you're dealing with your mother's anxieties, which causes your anxiety level to rise. Uh, and now you don't have to sit there and wonder when that phone call is going to come. Yeah. Like, you don't have to wonder, like, when is grandma going to fucking destroy mom and she calls me? Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about that phone call anymore. That's That phone call's done. You might get a different kind of phone call, but it sounds like it's more of a, I guess, a recovery phone call. I was always waiting for the snap phone call where my mom was like, <laughs> I put a pillow over her face and she's dead. Like, I was honestly I was like, someday she's going to kill her, man. Someday she's going <laughs> to fucking snap and she's going to do it, man. I'll help her cover it up. <laughs> I'll help her cover it up. I mean, we'll all fucking help her cover it. It's like, we all did it. I feel like it would be like one of those movie scenes where a mom's on trial. We're all like, I did it too. And then someone else is like, I did it also. And then everyone else stands up. And they're like, but everybody in the town did it. Uh, Jackie did it. And Henry did it. Put us all in jail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our letters to this week. We're going to do, do a couple of sexy ones. Sexy. We got, yeah, I know it's weird to go from dead grandma to sexy, but we're going to do I it. I mean, you know, not thinking about her anymore, just <laughs> thinking about my pantaloons. <laughs> oh, man. All right, here we go. Hi, Jackie and Marcus. I really hope you will answer this for me on your podcast. I'm listening all the way from Australia. What we going to call her? Clit Honey Master Lover. <laughs> she did ask for a mad horny name. Clit Honey Master Lover. <laughs> All right, here's what she says. My issue is I'm 21 and married and have been since I was 19. We got married before we moved in together because my husband and his family are all very Christian. However, we were already having sex. Getting to the point, the sex fucking blows. We have it maybe once a week, and when we do, it's once, and it sucks. He finishes but never finishes me off. 
He's 22 and will seriously blow off my advances to play bloody games on his computer. I self-love constantly, but it's seriously not enough. I just really want good sex. We talk about it all the time. It's the only thing we ever have conflict over. I've even asked him for an open marriage, which he firmly rejected. The time after we talk about it, he'll include foreplay, but after that he gets lazy again, and it's back to five minutes of him basically getting off. I honestly love him more than anything, but I'm deeply, but I'm a deeply passionate and sexual person, so this gets to be bad enough to consider leaving. I won't leave him, but I also don't know what else I can do. Please help. Quit, horny master lover. Oh, man. This is rough. Yeah. This is really rough. I first read this email, and I was just like, man. I mean, I, I, I feel you as someone that, like, have has been in in times and relationships where I was the only one and the talking never did anything but unfortunately after time passed I just left yeah and I'm not saying that that's your only option but it's hard because it's like you talk to him about it and then he just doesn't listen and he rejects your advances and you're married so that like that does add a whole other layer of of Commitment and also difficulty in leaving someone. Yeah. But sex is really important. Yeah. And uh, and not to everybody. Uh, um, there's a lot of people that it's not really that big of a thing to them. I mean, it sounds like it's not that big of a deal to your husband. To him. Yeah. But it that's something you're not going to grow out of. And, and if it's something that you become complacent about, you're not going to be happy. And the unhappiness is going to crop up in other ways. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be happy and it might eventually lead to cheating. That's that is a huge concern. Because right now you're 22. I don't know if you know what happens when a woman hits her 30s. Man, it is intense. Like the woman's sex drive skyrockets in her 30s. And if this guy at 22 is not interested in sex at all that much and if he is then he's really only interested in just blowing a load uh then by the time you guys reach your like mid 30s it's not going to be pleasant it's not going to be pleasant at all i mean i know that you know you're young but i mean for fuck's sake i think that's what marriage is about when you marry someone you have to think what are we going to be like when we're 35? Yes. What are we going to be like when we're 45, 55, 65? Because if you're marrying someone, then you are saying, I want to live the rest of my life with this person. And if you're not thinking about what life is going to be like in 10, 20, 30 years, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't get married. You know, like maybe that isn't, I mean, I know you're already married and we're not definitely not sitting here and telling you to get a divorce or anything like that. Uh, but you've also, you've got to be upfront with this guy about this, you know, and it's actually, I mean, but shit, been. you have been. Like, yeah. that's the hardest part is that like, you've tried everything I would have tried. Yeah. And okay, well try this. It's like, okay. It's like, you talk about it. He does foreplay. And after that, he gets lazy again. If he starts to just go straight for the hole, say no, say no. Do that. Yeah. You could just say, it's like, no, we're not doing that again. Like we're, you train that motherfucker. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to train him. And, you know, and also you got to think about is like if he's not doing it, it's either because one, he's lazy or two, the type he doesn't like the type of foreplay that you're doing. And he might need to find something that 
he really digs. If you're looking for something that I guess gets, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried 69. That's a fucking great way to get dudes that aren't really that into foreplay, that really into going down, because you're both getting something. Right. Everybody's getting something. Everybody's having a good time there with 69. No one has a bad time with 69. It's wonderful. It's great. So you can try that. That's something that you can try. Uh, And maybe try different things. Like when you say foreplay, is it just like him going down on you? Is that the only thing that you're doing? Try some different things. But the whole, like him just going straight for the hole every time, unless that's what you want, and some women, that's what they want, unless that's what you want, then don't give it to him anymore. That or you can always stop right before he comes. Mm-hmm. And you could play that game, which yeah. is like it is honestly, and I'm not saying that in a game in a way of like in a negative way, but it's like you know when your partner is about to come, mm-hmm. and if you stop it from happening, or like like not right before because I mean he'll just come anyway, yeah. but like if you stop it before it, like pull him out, switch it up. But take your time switching it up. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe kiss on him and rub. And then, like, if it's something that, like, you initiate in that, like, in foreplay in between um, different positions, which is also a good way to get him to last longer. Mm-hmm. That, like, then if it's, like, if he's entering you from behind, then at least you can be masturbating while he's pumping away. And then if he, that you'll at least get off that way mm-hmm. if he's not going to be able to hit the right spot. Yeah. Which also, it's like, you can also train him to hit the right spot. If you keep doing this and keep not letting him come just yet, he will eventually hit it. And think about this as well. You mentioned at the beginning, him and his family are very Christian. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And maybe I could be totally wrong. Maybe I could be making, uh, I guess maybe I'm being a presumptuous here. But I think the more you are into religion, the worse you are at sex. I think it's just not gonna the worst say that, uh, ex- it's a less experience. Less you experience, have. yeah. Or uh, like, not, okay, yeah, you're right. The less experience you are at sex, and also let's say uh, the less adventurous you might be willing to be because people that are very steeped in religion, specifically very steeped in Christianity, sex can be embarrassing. And it's guilt. It's filled with guilt. It's filled with guilt. It can be embarrassing. It can be like not willing to let go at all because foreplay, uh, I believe, involves quite a bit of letting go and relaxing uh, and being a, uh, I don't know, being a part of the sexual experience, uh, the overall sexual experience rather than just pumping away for the means of procreation. Right. Uh, and so, I don't know, you might want to talk to him about that. You might think about that and that might be, if that may have come up in your conversation, but it might be something that you could very, because that's just bringing up someone's religion in relation to them, especially if they're extremely religious, that's, I mean, it's a very touchy subject. It is. That's a very hard thing to bring up, but it might be a part of it. It's something to think about, at least. Well, also, I think that the that it is, depending on which religion, but that guilt is a huge part of Christianity, that, like, I was going to say, ask him what kind of porn he watches. Yeah. And if he does watch porn. I mean, a lot of couples keep that, like, a lot of people keep that from each other, but not all people do. And honestly, it really opens up a lot, and it's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. to be able to be like, this, I got off really hard to this, and play it. Yeah. 
And and or you know, obviously you said that you you pleasure yourself a lot, so I'm assuming that you watch porn as well. So what if you put on what you've been watching? Mm-hmm. Also, that will also get you off too yeah, dude. while you're watching it. And that maybe that's something that that he'd be able to handle that like at least watching someone else be adventurous might open him up to trying new things. Mhm. You've got a lot of options here. You do have options. Like, I'm there, saying you tried everything, but you did yeah. you did try a good amount though. Yes. And you are working so hard and you say that you love him and it shows. Mhm. 1000%. It's just you know, I understand though because I guess that's why I said that like I understand that frustration of being so fucking horny and you're sleeping next to someone at night and you're just like I don't know what to do. I'm going to fuck anything that walks in front of me because I've been there before and you're like there's no hope. He's yeah. never going to fuck me. This is it. I'm yep. done. I've been there before too, man. It's sh- it it's it's hard. I mean, it's not hard, I guess, but it's <laughs> Well, it's hard. It was hard for me. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard for you. But, uh, you know, it, but maybe try some of these things. Just try to make it uh, a little more of, you know, if you're able to create like an open space. Have sex with the lights on. Yeah. You know, really actually look at each other. And if you keep making him stop before he comes, I mean, it might frustrate him into like, you know, tying you up or something. And that would be a <laughs> lot of fun, too. Yeah. You never know, man. Hell yeah, man. You, you never- can do it. You can get it. But please let us know. Yeah, let us, know, let's, let us know how it goes. Give us an update on it. All right, next sex question. We got a, uh, a follow-up to our man Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> you got to razzle em, You got to dazzle em, <laughs> You got to ease a diaper fetish guy. I think we're singing two different songs. <laughs> I made up my own song. Oh, I was singing the one from Chicago. Oh. It's a musical. Have you heard of it? <laughs> All right, here it goes. Hey, Mark, Jackie and Marcus, it's Razzle Dazzle again, the local diaper fetish guy. <laughs> hey, it's Razzle Dazzle, your local <laughs> diaper fetish guy. Like he's on the nightly news. <laughs> like he's on a two o'clock uh, fucking commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to touch base again and perhaps let what I've learned in the past few months help some other listeners as well. When I last wrote in, I was just beginning therapy for anxiety attacks as well as trying to accept my fetishism. Now I was a little skeptical about therapy at first because I'm a really introspective person so I felt that only I could really know about myself. After about six months of therapy along with the medication of Prozac, I find that even one as introspective as I am can miss a lot of things. My therapist has helped me make connections in my life that I could have in no way made on my own and it has really opened my eyes so that I can tackle my problems in a new way. While I haven't revealed my fetish to my therapist yet, we have touched base on embarrassing fetishes in general and our talks have helped me come so much closer to accepting that part of myself and learning to own it instead of trying to shut it out. I want others who may be listening, who may be uneasy about therapy to know that it really does help. I'll be honest, the first couple of sessions can be difficult and maybe even emotionally painful, but the benefits really do outweigh the discomforts. I'm not the same old razzle-dazzle I was six months ago when I first wrote in, but a better, newer one. Don't be afraid to seek help, as it really does offer you a chance to better your life all around. Thank you, Jackie and Marcus, for reading my letter and for honestly being this first step I took into getting the help I really needed. Take care, you two, and best wishes, Razzle. 
Dazzle Dazzle. That's fucking awesome. Amazing. Man, uh, I, I am so fucking proud of you. This is awesome. I'm so glad that you wrote back in. Yeah, man. This is such a great update. These are exactly the ones we, t- we love to hear about. Yeah, and don't worry that you haven't talked about it yet. You've touched on it. Yeah, and the fact that you were doing like you, it is a process. Yeah, it is a hard thing. You don't just jump into everything all at once because there's a lot of shit going on in your head, mm-hmm. and it, it is just a week by week process of how you are going to get through everything, all the muddle inside of your brain. And I mean, I hope I, I hope your wife is doing good. I hope that everything there is going well too. Um, I remember when we, we had read that we, that your wife was totally down to meet you halfway Mm -hmm. like she was there with you and and that's such an amazing thing to see in a relationship and i'm I'm sure that she helped you a lot to and supported you through this these therapy sessions and i mean that is it's an inspiration it really is it is so hard to take those first steps you know what man i have that same kind of feeling about therapy being introspective I am a very introspective person to the point where I you one detrimental. one might say I have my head up my ass a lot of times. No, I would say that you're extremely critical of yourself. That is true. And that I think that you judge yourself very harshly. That is true. I do that very much. I do that. I'm really good at that. Uh, but I did think it's like, okay, like all these things about myself, I've figured myself out. I'm introspective enough where, you know, I think about myself enough where I figure myself out. I don't need to do therapy or anything like that. It was only when my life was showing signs of crumbling that I went into therapy and really sought help. And man, yeah, I mean, not only because I do think being extremely introspective, maybe it isn't for everyone, but I know for me, at least, I think it's unhealthy being too introspective. Uh, and you know, not and, you know, any way, any kind of extreme is bad, of course. But being too introspective or not introspective enough uh, is very detrimental, I think, to how you react with other people, how you interact with other people. Uh, and I think for either way, either person, if you're too introspective or not introspective enough, you miss a lot. There's a lot of shit that you really miss. There's a lot of, I mean, shit, there's people out there. I can't believe that they, like, actually just know themselves. They just know it. Like, that's just who they are. They just know themselves. Like, I I needed help, honestly. Like, I, I needed some help to really get to know myself and really get to know uh, who I am. And, you know, while I'm still very critical of myself, I'm nowhere near as critical as I used to be, you know, almost critical to the point of, you know, bordering on suicide no but you're also aware of when you are being too critical of yourself and you're able to identify it and take a step back and be like okay yeah instead I'm of being it way too hard on myself rather than it downward spiraling until you're yeah exactly almost suicidal paralyzed uh and it's something that uh I'm so fucking glad you're getting help with, man, uh, and getting kind of getting over that introspection uh, to the point where you're making connections that you could never made on your own. Like you're really doing a fucking great job, man. Even though this is more of a therapy question than a sex question, but still, man, you're doing fucking awesome. Hell Keep yeah. going, and anyone else out there, take this as inspiration. You know, take this as inspiration that you know you can. You can seek help. And don't worry, like I said, don't worry about it taking a little while. Don't worry about not saying anything yet. Six months isn't that long in therapy. If you're there for betterment, you know, if you're there to really just work on your own issues, six months really isn't that long. Uh, so it's fine to wait until you get to the big one. 
until you get to like the big thing that you don't really that nobody really knows about except for those closest to you or the one closest to you, your wife. It's fine. Just kind of keep going and I don't even know if you're just going to I don't think you're going to have a day where you're just going to go like Okay, I'm going to go in today. I'm going to talk about it in therapy today. Like, today's going to be the day that I'm going to do it. It's just going to come. It's going to come out. Just let it come naturally. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about, is this the week I'm going to do it? Is next week the week I'm going to do it? Just let it come out naturally because it will. So, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing awesome. Success! (laughs) Success! So we're going to get one more letter. This is from uh, a longtime listener. I've actually met and uh, and hung out with this girl. She's fucking awesome. I hung out with her uh, and her husband. They came to uh, a live show here at the Creek in the Cave, uh, and I ended up hanging out with them, and they were among the first listeners that I ever met, and they're fucking awesome people. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, what are we, got, what are we going, going to call her? Ooh, Turtle Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, turtle shoot, doodle shirt, sure. tur- I can't even say it. Turtle shooter, turtle shoot. All right, dear Marcus and Jackie. First and foremost, I gotta say you guys are fucking awesome humans, and I love you both. I've been listening to the show for years, and I actually got a chance to hang with Marcus last May when my boyfriend boyfriend and I were in New York for our second anniversary. Hello again, hello. But I have never written in. We are now looking for an unbiased opinion from someone who is completely removed from the situation. And I thought asking you guys would be perfect, as I almost always agree with your outlook on things. So here it goes. Mark, my boyfriend, and I are both 26 going on 27 later this year and both still living at home. I've been working full-time as a web designer since I was 20, and he's been working full-time for about a year since he graduated from his undergrad program and both of us with no break between school and working. We haven't gotten the opportunity to move out yet because of the high cost of living in Toronto, and we just haven't been in a position financially where we could, and this has been one of the main strains on our relationship and on ourselves for as long as I can remember. But now, after paying off debt, saving up, and many sacrifices, we're finally in a position to make a move that will finally allow us to create a life together and that brings us to our current dilemma. We're trying to decide between taking off a few months to go and travel to Europe or renting a place together. Traveling will offer us the adventure, freedom, and experiences we have craved for so long, not to mention being fucking cool as hell, but it has the possibility of draining our savings, which could mean moving back home upon our return. Choosing this route will also mean we'll quit our jobs and putting our lot the rest of our lives on hold which i'm not sure is the best decision as i'm finally in a point in my career where i'm content making good money and actually enjoy what i'm doing and he's just beginning his career moving out on the other hand will also give us the freedom and opportunity to create our life together experience many things we haven't been able to while living at home and to continue working towards our careers but it could cause us to put our travels on hold for a while and could eventually close a lot of doors for extended travel in the future because of more responsibility and putting down roots. Both are our dreams and both are something we don't want to sacrifice and that's why it's so difficult to decide. We've spent so much time worrying about finances and our lack of opportunity to travel or move out in addition to dealing with depression and low self-esteem due to living at home, family issues, always working and being apart all the time. I know this doesn't sound like a huge problem, more like first world problems, but we are so torn that it has resulted in us just being paralyzed at the thought of doing anything. So we would be grateful for any advice that will probably help us make the best decision for us. Sorry for the long-winded email, baby. You guys are the best. Thank you for everything you do. Hopefully we can make it back to New York in the near future to have a drink with you both. Dirtle Shooter. 100,000% move in together. One billion percent. A million trillion... (laughs) Billion, billion, billion move in together. 
I all right. I'm going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that you love each other. You said a huge strain in your relationship is that you don't live together. You're still living at home. That's hard. It's not even like you're just living separately. You're living at home, and that is hard no matter what. Yeah. But why go on a trip with this guy? Not saying it's just some guy, but I'm saying why go on this trip when you need to move in together to find out if you guys are going to be together for a long time. Because what if you find out that you don't want to be together when you're on a two-month trip in Europe. <laughs> because the one, number one thing of really knowing, like, this is a guy I, I want to be with for a while, even if you've been together for years. I'm telling you, out of personal experience, the only way to know is by living with them. That's it. And if you live with them, then you save up in a few years, and then you have you have the freedom, and you have your own experiences. That's just a different experience. Yeah, dude, 26 and 27. God, you're so young. Yeah, man. So far, so many years left to go and travel. You Europe know? isn't going anywhere. <laughs> but you're also going to go crazy if you stay in your parents' fucking house. I guarantee you, if you go and you travel, you will fucking drain your savings. Yes. And saving up for a trip to Europe is going to be a fuck of a lot easier and a fuck of a lot less expense or less stressful if you're living together. And yes, you'll have the added expense. I mean, I don't know if you're paying rent with your folks right now or what. Yes, you'll have the added expense for rent. And yes, it might take you a while. But one, you're, I mean, and the other big thing is if you're in a uh, point in your career where you're content making good you money can't just and quit. enjoying you can't just quit. No. Uh, especially not right now. Hell no. We won't let you. <laughs> not a lot of people have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of people have that opportunity. They really don't. And it might not be waiting for you when you get back from Europe. It won't be waiting for you when it's you get gone. back. It's gone. And yeah. then what? And then you live with your parents again. Yeah, and you not only live with your parents, but you are now unemployed. What happens if you can't get another job for six months? Mm-hmm. You know, and him, he's just beginning his career. Like, what's it going to look like when he's... You know, he works for a company for just a couple of months, quits and goes to Europe and comes back and has that on his fucking resume. It's like, yeah, it was, uh, I worked for a couple months, but it was kind of lame. But so then I went, I to, went Europe. to Europe. That doesn't, <laughs> no one will hire him because they'll be like, you didn't stick with the job. You decided to just go to Europe. Yeah. Which if you're, if you're, hell, you're a year into a company and you decide to go on a two month hiatus. They'd probably let you go for two months and then return to your job. Maybe, probably not, actually. Depend, but, depending but on the other on hand, what your we, profession is. And also, we live in New York, and everything is so goddamn fucking cutthroat that even asking for a week off is—you'd uh, think that it's you were trying to, to move fucking the mountains. It's true. Uh, but maybe in Toronto. But I don't know. I hear Canada, Toronto's kind of New York's. Or Toronto is Canada's New York. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, to both of us, the answer is very easy. That it's also it's like move in, and then what if in a few months you go away for a week? Yeah, you know, just go go somewhere else closer for a week. You could still it's still experiences. Yeah, and again, like you you will go to Europe. It will happen if that's that is one of your dreams. It will happen. 
It doesn't have to happen right now. And you know what's going to be awesome is down the line when you can really afford to go to Europe, that if you really save for it, then you're like, man, we're going to go to fucking Europe. Yeah. You don't have to worry about backpacking. You don't have to worry about any of that shit. You're going to be in a hotel with a bathroom <laughs> and a shower, which is my personal Preference. liking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, because then you can really do it. And you'll be able to do whatever you want to do once you're there. And I'll tell you this, too. When I graduated college, I had two choices. I could either travel Europe or I could move to New York. I moved to New York, and I do not regret it at all. Not even close. Because I know if I went, I knew if I went to Europe, I would spend all the money I had saved on moving out of Texas. I would spend all the movie and, or all the money, and then I'd come back to Texas, and I'd start all over again. I'd have to spend all that time making money. And I was, you know, I was miserable in Texas. I knew that I would return to the misery that I was living in. Uh, And it wasn't misery because of, you know, where it wasn't misery because of who I was with. It was misery because where I was. And it wasn't what you wanted. And it wasn't what I wanted. I couldn't do what I wanted to do where I was. That's where the misery was coming from. Uh, And I think after you got back from Europe, I think you would have a fucking amazing time while you were there. I think you would just, you'd have a lot of fun. But as soon as you got back and you were about a week in your parents' house, I think both of you would sit there and think, oh. What did we do? Fuck. What did we do? Yeah, we've got a bunch of cool stories to tell at bars, but. Oh, but now we've tangible. got. tangible. Yeah, and now we're not going to be able to move in together until we're, we're 30. Yeah. Which is a very real possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So wholeheartedly, <laughs> I I do hope that you listen to our unbiased answer because I mean it it's an answer I would give to my bestest friend in the entire fucking world. Absolutely, hands down, hands down, hands down. This is an easy one. All right, well that is all we got for today. If you've got any letters for us, uh, send us something at cavecomedyradio at gmail dot com. We got a lot to answer, but we will get to each and every one of you. Uh, cavecomedyradio at gmail dot com is where you send it to, uh, and we will see you guys next week. Hell yeah, man! For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio dot com. <laughs>